Welcome to this special episode of CareCast, recorded live at CareNet's 2019 National Conference in St. Louis, Missouri. In this episode, you'll hear Roland Warren, CareNet's president and CEO, interview one of the conference's keynote speakers, Randy Newman. Randy is a professor at Patrick Henry College and a senior fellow for apologetics and evangelism at the C.S. Lewis Institute. Randy spoke to our conference attendees about how they can effectively share the gospel in a secular age with the young people who they serve. Let's listen in on Roland and Randy's fascinating conversation. So Randy, you are here at the uh, CareNet conference and we're delighted to have you here. And you're gonna be speaking tomorrow uh, to the folks that have joined us uh, for the conference. And we're really excited to hear what you're gonna talk about. So tell me a little bit about what you're gonna do in, in your keynote session and also understand that you're doing a workshop as well. Yeah, well, it's great to be here. I'm really thankful for it. The keynote address will be about evangelism. So mm-hmm. I'm calling it Weaving Evangelism into the Tapestry of Pro-Life Ministry. And I want to try to encourage people who are not necessarily bold evangelists that uh, God can and does use them in, in dramatic ways, really wonderful ways in leading people to the Savior. And then the, the workshop's going to be a little bit more focused, uh, what are we calling it? It's titled, Overcoming Challenges of Sharing the Gospel with People of Different Cultural Backgrounds, and in particular, of other religions and other faiths. So talking to people from Muslim backgrounds or atheist backgrounds or a whole wide variety. Gotcha. Well, that's certainly a topic that is near and dear to our heart. I mean, a core part of Karenet's ministry um, model is to have people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, certainly we're always looking for ways to be more effective at doing that. And it's particularly you know, challenging, I suppose, when you have somebody who's facing a difficult pregnancy decision, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sort of life and death decisions. And, and uh, you know, the, there's a temptation um, in those situations, maybe not to share at some level because mm-hmm. there's a con- concern. I mean, have you talked to pregnancy centers or folks that are working in this space about that particular aspect and, and what are you hearing from them? Yeah, well, I, I have had the, the privilege of uh, talking to several different local centers and um, my, my wife actually volunteers at the center near us. Mm-hmm. So I get to hear quite a bit about uh, the kinds of challenges and difficulties. Um, I do quite a bit of training and teaching at different churches and seminars, Mm -hmm. and I regularly focus in on the fact that I'm not one of those bold evangelists uh, that just, you know, uh, I was with Campus Crusade for many, many years, and all of the speakers at our conferences always talked about how easy it was. And I would sit there going, it's not easy for me. And Mm. they would talk about how natural it was. I said, oh, no, 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 it's not natural at all. Um, so I, I think it's difficult, but, but God uses uh, even, uh, even the most timid and shy and fearful. And uh, so that has been my ministry of trying to encourage that and give people ideas about that. And um, you're right, uh, people coming into a, a crisis pregnancy center, um, uh, they, they've got other things on their mind, right, obviously, right. but uh, they, they need help on many different levels, very, mm-hmm. very practical levels, a very, very crucial life decision lesson. And then they also have tremendous needs spiritually. And so uh, it's, it's very difficult, but it's a great opportunity that I think God gives to, uh, to a whole lot of us to, to uh, share the wonderful news with them. Gotcha. So, so what would you say are sort of the top obstacles that, that you hear uh, or that you've experienced uh, sharing the gospel? 
obstacles from the side of the people doing the sharing or the people on the receiving side? People doing the sharing. What, what, I mean, what are the things they tell you? Like, wow, I would share more if, and you feel... Oh, good, good. Book. Well, everybody talks about fear. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm afraid. Uh, there's all sorts of different kinds of fears. And the, what... And there's all sorts of uh, books and uh, articles and stuff about overcoming fear. I I don't do that. I say I've never been able to overcome fear. Mm. I I witness with fear. Uh, You know, Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade, has a book called Witnessing Without Fear. It's a great book and very helpful, but the title (laughs) makes me laugh. And I think I've never experienced that in my life. Witnessing Mm. Without Fear, I think in my library, goes with fiction. Uh, (laughs) uh, So what I want to tell people is, even if you're fearful, Mm -hmm. that's okay. Um, You you don't have to overcome fear. Uh, You can witness through fear, in the midst of fear. And I... I find it tremendously helpful to remember Paul said Mm. when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said to them, I was with you with much fear and trembling. Mm. Okay, yeah, that's my kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, So um, I also, uh, another thing people say is, well, I'm I'm just afraid people are going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to. Okay, so this this idea that you have to be perfect in terms of all your responses. Yeah, we got to have all of the answers. You you have to anticipate everything they're going to ask. So... Two things. One is, well, we should do our homework to know as many different answers as we can and think through how we would deliver it. But we should also be very ready to say, hmm, I, I, I don't know. Mm. Uh, it's a good one. Boy. Um, in fact, we, we, should, we should expect that they're going to ask things we don't know. It's, gar- it's almost guaranteed. Right, right. So, so we should say, uh, you know, let, let me get back to you. Um, which I think is a wonderful thing to say because it shows you you value that person you you respect them mm-hmm. enough to say I, I I'd like to serve you by I'll, I'll go do research I'll go online I'll, I'll find I'll see what I can do to find out an answer so the, the, those two fears are very very big what what else um, I mean do you think there's something in the way, yeah, I don't know if you've looked at evangelism approaches, you know, internationally in other cultures. I mean, do you think that there's something specific about sort of American culture that highlights fear? For example, you know, you hear the stories from, you know, missionaries or, you know, if you, um, you know, get newsletters from groups like the Voice of the Martyr or places like that where there's like real, I mean, real legitimate, I mean, persecution, not just kind of losing your job, but losing your life type persecution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the approach that they have to evangelism for here. I mean, do you feel like that this is something kind of like a first world problem in, in some ways or, or, or do you think it's kind of a universal thing that you think Christians uh, face related to that? Well, uh, we're at kind of a really uh, a very interesting point in time in our history, in our country right now. I mean, no, we're not experiencing any of that kind of level of persecution. The vast, vast majority of us, we're not. We're probably not going to get fired. We're we're very. We're not going to get killed, um, as is the case in many places. But it was not all that long ago, and a lot of people can remember this at a time when. Even even apathetic non-Christians were just kind of, oh, okay, oh, that's cool. Oh, you're a yeah. Christian? Okay, that's cool. All right. Hey, different things for different people. Now, there's a much hotter environment with a lot more hostility. You're mm-hmm. a Christian? 
Oh, you're the you're the you're the problem. You're the intolerant one. You're the homophobic bigot. Uh, you're you, 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 no, you you people are are stupid. You're anti-intellectual. You're anti-science. No, you're. We, we need we need to change you. And so so that's it. Just as a hotter thing. So I think people are. Uh, I I think it makes sense that people are fearful. Right. I mean, I, again, I think there may have been a time when maybe what people in training ministries would say, someone would say, well, I'm fearful. I said, Here, let me tell you how to overcome that fear. First of all, uh, you don't have to really worry about it that much. And the gospel is really great news. And God is in control. And yes, all of those things. Right, right. And, and you know, your standing is in Christ. It's not what people think of you. It's, it's what God thinks you. Okay, yes, all of that. But you're not going to eliminate the fact that, oh, some people might really hate you. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, you yeah. know, Jesus warned us yeah. that people will hate you, and he used the word hate, and and for a very long time, people didn't hate us. Right now, they do. Well, and that's interesting. That's, I guess that's kind of what I was getting at in terms of more of the cultural aspect of this. I mean, if you're you know, if you're a Christian living in a predominantly you know, say, let's say Muslim country or, or or a country that's kind of like a theocracy or so. And, you know, you've got probably grown up in an environment knowing that, you know, there was some, there was a real price to pay. And, and so that, that being hated part was really real. So you almost kind of work through that fear perspective in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of the things I talked about at our conference even, um, because I, I talked about the, the difference between truth, excuse me, the difference between love and tolerance hmm. and how, hmm. you know, to- tolerance is you know, uh, increasingly being promoted in the public square is our highest human virtue. Uh, <laughs> as a, and it's basically an artificial love and a counterfeit love. And if folks want to know about that, you can have a blog post that we did. Uh, mm, good, kind of good. The title being, you know, our Christians called to be tolerant. And what would Jesus do kind of a thing? But mm-hmm. um, you can catch on our on our website. But, um, but you know, it's interesting um, when you think about that, because one of the, the things that I was encouraging our attendees around was this notion of insight God gave me that, you know, Scripture says that they will know us by our love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it doesn't say they will love us for our love. <laughs> right? And so, uh, right. Well, and, that's so, that's an important distinction. Yeah, and I don't think, I think that when, and I think it's a byproduct of kind of the things that you're talking about, maybe us not having persecution. Uh, that's like an aha moment. It was sort of an aha moment, I think, for us in the U.S., that maybe it's not the same way as an aha moment if you were someplace else. But right. I do think that, that I think your expect the expectation of, yeah, I'm going to share with them something that's good and they're going to love me because I'm sharing this thing. And the reality is scripture doesn't say that. Right. That the, the gospel is an anathema to the culture. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily for some people, good news. It's very bad news. And the yeah. people they are delivering are very bad people mm-hmm. so dealing with that, dealing with that perspective. I see. Yeah. No, I think that's really, I think it's really important in terms of, in terms of that. So, um, one of the things that we've been talking about at Karenet quite a bit is, is this notion around, um, discipleship. Mm, and okay. you know, the distinction between evangelism and discipleship, uh, and how, just from your perspective, I mean, how do you frame that? Oh man, that that discussion. How long do we have? <laughs> Is this a four-hour podcast? I hope so. It could be. Okay. Um, well, mind, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if uh, if you know I, I I my main gig right now is with the C.S. Lewis Institute, and that is our thing is discipleship. We mm-hmm. call it uh, discipleship of heart and mind, 
And it, I think uh, many, many Christians right now are really hungry for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, they've come to faith, they understand the gospel, and they really want to grow. And they, they want to see the gospel permeate every aspect of their life, and they want to think deeply. And, and I think, I think there's, there was a time, I don't know, when, when the emphasis was um, uh, keep it simple, keep it simple. It's, mm-hmm. it's very simple. Well, uh, we, we should be able to communicate the gospel concisely and, and simply, uh, but, but the Bible is a really big book and mm-hmm. a really rich book and full, and, and it's intellectually engaging and rigorous. And, and so people really want to grow. They want their minds to be transformed mm-hmm. so that their mind more naturally, more regularly gravitates toward the things that Scripture says rather than what our world says. Right. And they, they, they want to see themselves, uh, not just their minds transformed, their, their hearts transformed so that they love people the way God loves people and that they love and long for godliness and holiness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it is a discipleship process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the salvation is instantaneous, right. <laughs> but then the process that follows after it is rich and full and lifelong right. and um so i'm 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 really encouraged to hear that that's an emphasis of carenet i i don't think i knew that yeah no it really is i mean our, a lot of our resources are kind of focused that way we have a resource called making life disciples which is really designed to equip the church to offer compassion hope help and discipleship to anyone who's at risk for abortion hmm. um, and really trying to get the church to see um the Life issue is primarily a discipleship issue, not primarily a material support issue or primarily a uh, political issue. Mm. Framing mm-hmm. that, but really framing it as a primarily an opportunity for discipleship because compassion for the pregnant, pregnant like food for the hungry, clothes for the naked, water for the thirsty is a good work, and all of our good works that we do should lead to discipleship and really trying trying to mm. do that. So, yeah, it's a key part of, of of what we're doing. So, I think it's one of the reasons why having you at, at the conference talking about evangelism, which is sort of that first step mm-hmm. that leads mm-hmm. to discipleship is, is, uh, is pretty good. So as we kind of close up, I just want to ask you one other question. So um, you, you talk about like engaging people's hearts in the way that Jesus did. It's kind of your concept. I mean, how do you think about that, you know, in terms of the work that we do at, at a pregnancy center and pregnancy center ministry? I mean, how, mm. how would you kind of view that? Mm. Um. Well, I, I think I think sometimes we think of evangelism as simply conveying content, mm-hmm. conveying information. Here's some things you need to know. You need to know about God. You need to know, and 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 there certainly is that component. Um, but just telling people things doesn't really connect with them because we are more than just intellectual beings. We're, mm-hmm. we're whole persons. And right. so engaging people's hearts, I think it begins with asking good questions. Okay. I think it means following up, asking further questions. It means looking, watching people's facial expressions, their body language. What are they, not, not just what are they saying, but why are they saying it or what's their attitude or what's their heart mm. behind the words that they're saying and to be able to communicate with people not just here's the information you need to know but um it, let me introduce you to the one who can change your whole entire life right, right. um let me um let, let me show you display to you embrace you with 
this this message it's it's so rich and it's full i mean you know you think about think about the different words in scripture uh about the gospel i mean we think of salvation and forgiveness yes and and that's the core but there there's also uh, reconciliation two parties that were alienated are now brought back together there's redemption somehow you were in a state that you weren't never you were never meant to be and you've been bought back out of that and brought back into the very purpose that you ever that you exist uh, for the whole reason you existed there's eternal life it goes on and on and on for forever it's adoption isn't that a beautiful word i mean there's all these different words and 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 think about the way jesus interacted with people mm-hmm. uh, different approaches with different people because again because the gospel connects with people on so many levels mm-hmm. um of course, I guess I'm giving my whole talk for tomorrow. So you don't have to go to the plenary <laughs> section. There's a, it gives you uh, some time off. That's good. Right. Um, just think about how in John chapter 3, uh, Jesus talks to Nicodemus, and it's kind of a theological discussion. You need to be born again. What do you mean you don't understand this? And Nicodemus doesn't seem to be getting it. And and he said, you know, you're a teacher of Israel. You should know this. It's kind of like, you, you know, if you read the scriptures, you would get this. So it's kind of logic right, and right. content. The very next chapter, he talks to the woman at the well, and it's not quite so intellectual at all. It's more about water and thirst and Mm. the husbands you had. That doesn't satisfy your thirst. The guy you're living with now, that doesn't satisfy your thirst. You you need a kind of water that will never leave you thirsty again. Isn't that a beautiful Mm. image? Mm -hmm. And, And so I think engaging whole people with a rich and beautiful and full and multifaceted gospel, I think, is part of what we want to see um, woven into all of our different ministries, into every church, into all Bible studies, and and certainly uh, pregnancy center ministry. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's exciting, and I, I think folks are going to really enjoy uh, what you're talking about. I mean, the big theme here for the conference is, you know, this notion of, be, of being prepared for, for God's abundance and, mm, you know, mm-hmm. really positioning yourself to receive that and to be a part of that. And certainly a key part of God's abundance is our ability to reach others and introduce others uh, to him. So this is going to be great. We're going we're to have a good time uh, listening to you uh, tomorrow in your keynote and then also in your workshop session. So I really appreciate you taking time mm-hmm. on your no doubt busy schedule uh, to join us. And uh, folks uh, will uh, certainly have an opportunity to hear more from you uh, either in the session as we take them and, and some other things as well. So yeah. thank you very much for being with us today. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for the privilege. We hope you enjoyed this episode of CareCast. For more Pro Abundant Life commentary and practical resources, please visit care-net.org. There you can subscribe to the Abundant Life blog, giving you access to videos, ebooks, podcasts, and other resources to help turn your pro-life passion into pro-abundant life action. Until next time, we pray that God blesses you and yours daily.